Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. My name's Travis Jones, and I'm here with Jason Barrett. How are you doing today, Jace? Good. Just smashed a nice upper body workout, so I'm, uh, I'm ready. Love it, mate. Love it. Um, today, we are talking everything mindset, and I think you know how to develop a bulletproof mindset is the most crucial factor when it comes to trying to achieve the body you want. It's not the best program. It's not the best macro split. It's having a mindset that allows you to keep going, to do what you said you're going to do, to overcome the negative um, words and you know talking that goes inside your head and moving away from those negative choices, which obviously get negative outcomes. You know, the reality is that we simply just want to have a mindset that allows us to do what we said we're going to do, whether we feel like it or not. And for me, that's what today's podcast is all about. Um, so Jace, as a question I wanted to ask you, why do you think someone actually embarks on a weight loss or a body transformation journey? A lot of people, they get it in their head that they should or they have to lose weight. And I mean, the reasons behind that are numerous, but usually it's a moment where you look in the mirror and you're like, fuck, I'm not happy with this anymore. That's what usually gets most people up that, you know, you take your shirt off, you see yourself in, in the reflection in the mirror and you're like, is that one of those funhouse mirrors from the circus? No. Oh shit. I've, I've got to do something about this. It's, it's a, a wake up moment or an aha moment where they just go, yeah, I'm doing it. Those are the people that do it that gen that generally tend to be successful. There are people that constantly go through life thinking that oh, I should go on some kind of weight loss. I guess I should kind of lose weight. And they just, they, they feel obliged to do it. Those are the people that kind of start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. So if you're in that camp, it's because you haven't really had that wake up moment or you haven't got that powerful why you haven't got that really core reason why you're doing it, which we talked about back in episode one, um, when it comes to sticking to your goals and really sort of focusing on that. But you have to have the, the awareness of, I don't want to be where I'm at anymore. That's step number one. But then you also have to have an idea of where you actually want to be because you could change by 1% and you're like, oh, well, I'm not where I was anymore. So I'm not feeling the pain of being feeling fat because I'm taking this action, but you're also not in the place you want to be yet. You're not at the goal. Um, so you've got to have that clear picture in mind because if you don't, then you don't know when you've achieved it. Mate, I completely agree. I think there's a moment where people, someone looks in the mirror or something like that happens and it's like, you know what? I'm not my best self. And mm. they don't have those words. I'm not my best self. They're like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fat shit right now and I have no energy. And what the hell happened? The last decade completely eroded my self-confidence. Like it's more something like that. But at the end of the day, it's just, I'm not my best self right now. Um, and they know they can be better or they want to be better at least. Now, why do you think someone gives up on a weight loss journey is my second question. I think they have expectations that, that are a little bit too high for the results that they're getting. Um, that tends to be a big one. They expect things to move a lot quicker and for things to be a lot easier than they are. They don't embrace the journey. They get, they get way down with all these expectations again of, the way that food should be. A lot of the guys I've spoken to lately are like, oh, but you know, it's really bland and I have to eat like this and I have to eat chicken breast, broccoli and rice. Otherwise I'm not going to do it. And they have all these negative weight associated and I've got to run for, you know, 40 kilometers a day. They've got all this negative weight associated to all the actions they think they have to take. And it's, or it already feels like a chore before they even start. And it already feels too hard. So they, 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 they have their expectations around the results they're going to get, or they have an expectation around what the method has to be. And then they start putting negativity on the method before they've even started. And they're already kind of starting with one foot, one, like behind the eight ball. And they're not prepared to embrace the, the, you know, what we choosing the right hard, right? It's going to be hard either way, but choosing the hard of, the workout and of the meal that's a little bit less convenient and a little bit, you know, not as fatty, gooey, crunchy, yummy, whatever else, fucking whatever else you love. Um, and a little bit more clean and a little bit more whole. And that's going to lead you towards your goals. They don't embrace the right hard and it gets too hard. And then they just go, fuck it. I give up. This is it's too much for me. I'm, it, I'm not destined for this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to embrace it. And I'm going to make YouTube videos eating 12 pizzas. <laughs> right. I, I think, 
I think a hundred percent, right? Like I think there's a, people give up because one, there's obviously a quick fix mentality. So that's why all mm. the diet books and the fads and the man shakes and everything get sold, right? So I need to do something about this now. I want the quickest, fastest possible fix, but you know, the quickest fix is not the, is a band aid um, to literally like a um, life threatening injury. It might get you a little bit, but then all of a sudden you'd end up bleeding out. So, you know, we need to understand, you know, we can't have a quick fix, right? Yeah, we can get you some fast results and four, you want to be losing 1% of body weight loss per week, which is 100 kilos, you're losing a kilo a week, four kilos a month, you know, 16 kilos in 16 to 20 weeks. Like that's, that's realistic. But I think there's one, there's an over expect, there's this high expectation of what should happen. And then there's also a, inability to want to learn about education. They go through a quick fix and it's like, I can't stay on this keto thing forever. So they're picking mm. a quick fix diet that doesn't allow them to still consume some of the foods they love. And also they have a preconceived idea, like you said, which is, you know, I have to train for an hour a day or two hours a day. I have to run on my ass off or whatever it is. So the education isn't there. So they don't have, they don't have the education to understand I can have beers, I can have burgers, I can have pizzas, I have to feed into my calories. I don't have to train. Really, if you want to train three times a week, you'll still get the results. Um, if you want to train four times a week, you'll get the results, right? Like, I, I think it's it's making sure that they have the right program. And then someone, if someone does have the right program, I think they give up. I think one of the biggest things is um, they find it too hard, right? I, I honestly think they do. And it's like, they, they come into it, first thing, why does someone want to embark on a weight loss journey? I want to be the first version of me. I want to change my life. Then they start trying to do that. And they're like, oh, I want to be the best me, but I don't want to change anything I'm doing. Uh, I, I, like, mm -hmm. I, I still want to have the same old habits. It's like, no, well, you know, the biggest thing is, it's like, no, you need to like temporary changes in the habits give you temporary solutions. The actual understanding that, if you want to be the healthiest version of you, all the habits and everything that got you to this point in life were not the best. Like if you're 20, 30, 10, 20, 40 kilos overweight, your current habits and systems are not good for you. And they're giving you a trajectory of being a unhealthy version of yourself. So we need to discard our current habits and adopt new ones, not temporarily, but for the rest of our life. And I think that's the biggest thing. And yes, change is hard at the start. Anything is hard at the start. But if we can embrace the challenges at the start, and we can learn the skills at the start, then when you're 16 weeks, 20 weeks, 12 months into it, it isn't hard anymore. It just is. And I think people mm -hmm. have to overcome the hurdle of hard to then understand that it just is, then they'll get that change for the rest of their life. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like they don't believe or they don't, you know, understand the sacrifices they're willing going to have to pay to change their life. And it's like when I'm saying that, it sounds pretty, you know, daunting. But yeah, you will have to pay some sacrifice. You can't get blind every weekend with your mates. You can't have a spit six pack or, you know, of beer every single night. You can't eat, you know, Uber Eats, you know, seven nights a week and whatever you want to eat. It's like there's going to be sacrifices. Okay. Hmm. But you can either sacrifice that or you can sacrifice being the best version of you. Either is a sacrifice. You just choose your sacrifice. You choose your heart, right? As you said, and I think the biggest thing we have to understand is what I've seen, you know, I've coached, you know, thousands and thousands of people over the, over the, you know, the last couple of decades. Um, and with the dads, you know, I've literally, I would say at least 500 dads with the constraints that they have. And the people who win and the people that don't win, because it's just winning and, and not winning, right? Um, it's understanding the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. And the people who win have a growth-based mindset. And, you know, looking at this, like if there's two different mindset styles or systems, you know, Carol Dweck wrote a book called Mindset. She talks about a fixed and a growth mindset. And there's two different beliefs when it comes to learning new skills, because that's all it is. We're, we're learning new skills and deploying new skills and habits into our life. Now, a fixed-based mindset person generally ever generally never gets the results they're after. And, you know, and so if we look at it, the traits of a fixed-based mindset person, it's like they think that talents or skills or traits are fixed 
you know, I'm big boned. I have a slow metabolism, right? Like literally I I've heard, heard this all I'm the time. I have big boned in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hey, they will say that. You know, I have, yeah, a, I have a slow metabolism. I have, I have a mm. slow metabolism. People say that all the time. Um, you know, I can't run. You know, I don't, I don't got like the gym. Um, I can't use this app. I'm too old. Right? Like, um, you know, so with this, you know, they, they tend to avoid challenges, right? And they, whether it be a risk of fear or failure, but they avoid challenges and that's what they do. And they're also discouraged by setbacks and feedback. They view feedback as criticism. Okay. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, no, like a setback is a learning lesson. You know, feedback isn't criticism. It's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for reflection. They're also a lot of the time they seek validation. They want to prove their intelligence, especially with a coach, right? They're like, no, I already know like all this education. You know, I know what I should be doing. And they trying to get validation and they're trying to pump up their ego rather than having humility and focusing on growth. So they're seeking this validation, um, you know, that they already know what they're doing. But if they already knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be 20 kilos overweight. Now, so that's a fixed-based mindset. And if I'm talking right now and you're like, oh, I do a couple of those things, I say, okay, well, that's awareness. Now we can change because awareness precedes change. Like when we look at this growth-based mindset person, it's like they understand that talents and abilities can be developed and they get developed through dedication and hard work. Okay, that's it. Um, They embrace challenges. They see failure as a growth lesson, okay? They understand that they fall on their face, they get back up, they learn something, they keep moving forward. They're motivated by you know, feedback. They're motivated by criticism because they understand that every chance to get feedback is a chance to become better. And also they focus on the process of learning rather than the process of validation. They are humble. They understand that they, hey, you might have something that I can also put in my tool belt that I can learn from now. So I want you to just think before you embark on a journey right now and you're trying to read a book or get a coach because, or, you know, deploy a skill. It's like, are you being a fixed mindset person, you know, or are you being growth mindset? If you've got your blinkers on and everything this person's trying to help you with, all this book's trying to teach you, you know, all this blog or this video, it's like, nah, blinkers on, can't learn anything. It's like, no, just listen to this podcast. If you're thinking that, you're a fixed-based mindset. Listen to this podcast. Open up the blinkers. You might learn something, okay? And if not, you can teach me something and send me a message. But, you know, be a growth man. You can seek that validation you're going for. Um, but with that, <laughs> <laughs> but with that, to succeed, we first must understand and identify, do we have some fixed traits and do we need to shift them into a growth-based mindset? I think I've definitely um, partaken in that before, especially with mm. um, in work as a big one for me in the past has been whenever I've tried to do things so well that whenever I've been end up being, um, you know, quote unquote, criticized or given feedback, taken it way too personally. And it's like, it doesn't it, like we're not all perfect. We're all going to have those moments. But what I like to do and what I recommend you do is you just take that five minutes, be like, hang on, why did I react so personally to that? Oh, is it because I'm actually deep down, it's not about me. It's about, I don't want to let that person down or I don't want to fail that person. I don't want to, um, you know, to, to hurt them in some way. And by doing that, I feel like I've done that. All right. Oh, cool. I've got that awareness. We talked about awareness heaps last week in the mm. um, habits podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, make sure you do, but that pausing that mental awareness of hang on, is this actually the way it is? As Trav said, he already used a growth mindset for a lot of people, like looking in the mirror and saying, um, and he, he, he pushed it on you looking in the mirror saying, I'm not the best version of myself right now right? That's, that's a more of a growth mindset because you're ascribing a time to it and you're really treating it as it's, as what it really is, as opposed to, you know, I'm a fat person, right? That's a very much an identity thing. And a lot of people struggle to shed that identity when they go through this process, they'll lose all this weight and they'll still look in the mirror and see a fat person because they've got this fixed mindset around who they are. And they'll use words like I am, I can't, I couldn't, I won't, you know, these big sweeping broad brushstroke generalizations mm. where my favorite thing to do is to get deep into the language of people say, no, how specifically, let's say, oh, I can't use the app. Well, what specifically in the app are you struggling with? Oh, I can't do this two things. All right. So the rest of it, you're good with. 
yeah oh okay so it's not i can't use the app it's i'm having trouble finding these specific foods or um i can't do this i can't do this the training session it's too much for me all right well it's just actually the push-ups that you're struggling with because it's using body weight at the moment the rest of it's all good oh yeah well i guess so so the more you can niche down and get clear on well, what specifically are the things you're struggling with and this is hard and it's confronting because it forces you to be real with yourself and it forces you to say well no hang on i can't just blow the whole thing off I can't be all or nothing in this. I can't just say, oh, one thing doesn't work, so it all doesn't work. It's like, no, if you can't do everything, like right now, I can't squat and deadlift very well. My lower back is a little bit rough. Uh, my hips are weird. My, even the physio said, yeah, mate, you got some fucking weird, you got some weird hips, right? Uh, they, they don't go down right. So I'm not squatting and deadlifting. For a while, I thought that was the only thing I could do to like grow, get big, strong, get big, squat big, you know, all that kind of stuff. But even though those aren't things that I'm able to do right now, it doesn't mean I can't do things like leg press or single leg stuff. It's like, is it as sexy as doing these big lifts? Well, no, but it doesn't mean I have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And too many people do that if they have a shitty meal or they, um, they can't do a workout to the effectiveness that they would like to. Shit, doing 10 sets of push-ups on your knees at home or even using like a bench to do it and doing those until close to failure, that's going to get you something. That's going to move something. That's going to move the needle along in some capacity. But too many people require, as Travis was saying before, the perfect program. But I've said this before and I'll say it again. The, the frozen vegetables, the frozen meal that you eat is infinitely better than the organic, grass-fed, perfectly macro-balanced, chef-prepared, you know, all the best ingredients than that meal that you never eat because it takes too fucking long to prepare. So right, if you can do something, that's going to be infinitely better than the nothing that you say you're going to do over and over again. Dude, 100%. I think like the criticism, like we fall into fixed-based mindset in different areas of our life. So, you know, for me, mm. I would feedback from Liv, like my wife, I see that as criticism sometimes and I get defensive. When really, and mm. again, like you said, if you break down why you get defensive, you're getting defensive because you don't want to let that person down because the person that you said you want to be the best version of you for, for the rest of your life. And you want to make them happy. So then when I see criticism as I'm not making you happy, it's like, no, it's like, all you have to do is like step back, don't get defensive and cause an argument because now I'm, you know, stepping up to the, you know, fight me phase, um, not physically, mentally. Um, <laughs> and cause we all know who'd win that fight, live a hundred percent of the live. time. So, but like, really it's like, no, she's just trying to get, give me feedback so I can be better for her and I can do, do whatever task it is or have a communication better for her. So I can't take that personally because mm. someone can't make you feel something. You have to let them. So I think that's the biggest thing. Like you're putting meaning onto that conversation or you're putting, you're giving it meaning. You know, they aren't giving it meaning. Um, the next thing I do want to talk about is, you know, again, like, so that was one paradigm shift, right? A fixed base mindset or a growth mindset. We need to have that paradigm shift into a growth mindset. Now, the next one is from a, a victim mindset into a victim mindset. So it's another paradigm shift. And I think these two paradigm shifts are the biggest two shifts we need to then develop everything else we're going to talk about today. Um, so if we look at it, um, the second lesson is that there is two people, you know, we, we all have like, the, the two voices on our shoulders, okay? And the one you listen to the most wins. So at the moment, if you're 20, 30 kilos overweight, um, you're probably listening to the victim version of you, or like a little bit more than the victor or the best version of you. Now, and if you're constantly, you know, falling prey to not doing what you said you're going to do, you're listening to that victim, okay? So we're prone, we're all prone to fall into the victim mindset from time to time. But if we're conscious about when we fall into it, again, awareness precedes change and we can own a situation, we can switch into the victor version of ourselves. So if we look at it again, the traits under a victim-based mindset, they blame, they complain, they justify, they essentially make excuses. And literally you'll, you'll try and help this person and they'll have a problem for every solution. Okay. And I think that's, that's the understanding. It's like, so you're like, okay, well, I can't eat my dinner tonight because my wife makes dinner and she doesn't make healthy things. Like literally these are the conversations I have with some of the clients. It's like, okay, well, how about me, you and your wife get on the call and ask her, you know, have a conversation with her about are you and your health and a priority. And, you know, can we identify some meals that are great for the family? Or if not, can we get you some prepackaged meals? You chuck it in the microwave, you eat with your family, but you can do it that way. There's always going to be solutions. 
Some might not be perfect, but there's a solution. Or we justify, oh, it's, I've had a hard week at work. I'm just going to have some beers with the boys because I need to have them. Or, you know, what, like they, so they justify poor behaviors. Oh, I didn't sleep very well last night. I'm not going to go to the gym. Um, they'll make excuses of why oh, I couldn't track this or, you know, anything you help them with, they'll find the problem with how you're trying to help them. And that is the victim. You're a dad. You're never going to have a good night's sleep. You're not going to have a good night's sleep for like 15 years. So yeah, like, mate, yeah you can't then, use that as an excuse. But then you're still not sleeping well because yeah. you're worried about them, right? So the, <laughs> the, the victim mindset, they take ownership, they take responsibility and they have accountability. Okay. So this is the biggest thing. You need to be a victor. Step one, ownership. My current choices that have led me to who I am today. Okay. Were all on me. I made me. All the, 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 the health and all of the unhealth that I currently have, that's on me. Until you own your situation, you will never move forward. Oh, I put on weight because of the kids. You didn't put on weight because of the kids. Your ki- you weren't sitting there and your kids were not stuffing chocolate down your throat and telling you that you can't train. Like They just didn't. You know, they might have made you tired. There might have been a different environmental factors in your house. But no one force fed you food to gain 20 kilos. Like it just didn't happen. Okay. So we can't blame kids. We can't blame that. Oh, work's hectic, right? Like we can't do this, guys. Like there's someone out there just like you, but they're getting the work done, getting the, the results that they want. You know, the difference is, but they're just following through. Now, I know that some of us have different constraints. I understand that. Now, I also am not someone who was fit every single day of my life. I was fit. I was fat and I am fit. And I think, when I look at that, I was 25 kilos, I was 115 kilos, right? At one stage, I was going through stuff and I lent on food and inconvenience and justified circumstances. I was traveling the world six months of the year. I had a hundred staff. I was doing, I just was so hectic. So it was, a, I got gained weight over a convenience factor. And that's, I think a lot of the people do. And I was having, like, I was, I just didn't want to be that person for my kids. Like, I didn't want to be the guy that made excuses. Oh, you know, because then I'm allowing them to make excuses because they don't listen to what we say. They listen to what we do. So I didn't want to be the guy that blamed my circumstances. I didn't want to be the guy that made excuses for, you know, my poor habits. And, you know, I, I didn't want to justify things any longer. So I took ownership. My current, you know, my current habits are not giving me the health and the energy and the vitality that I want. Okay which is not leading me to be the best version of me for my wife because I would snap more. I wasn't happy as much as I could be because I, I do wrap a little bit of an identity with my health um, as who I am. Um, I, I just wasn't the best me in any circumstances. So I took ownership right then and there. I said, okay, well, I'm going to take responsibility for my actions because the victor takes responsibility. And no matter what, I'll take responsibility. Like, you know, you know, live, you know, I can't, I'm not just eating what she's going to give me. I'll eat what we need to eat and she'll support me. And if she isn't supporting me, I'll eat what I need to eat to be healthy. You know, and I'm going to take accountability. And I'm going to learn how to create some form of accountability with myself or get someone else to keep me accountable. I, when I first started, you know, getting back in shape, I hired a personal trainer four days a week, hundred bucks a session. I was like, cause I'm paying 400 bucks a week. Like I'm, I'm going to get my shit together. And I did that for the first couple of months just because I didn't like working out. I didn't like what I look like. I didn't like summer because I took my shirt off. I didn't like anything. Um, so I need to get back into the groove. So I, you know, the, I didn't have an online coach. It wasn't around much then. So I had myself a personal trainer. I drove there and I spent time. I did a session and it got me back into the groove and I got, to, and, you know, essentially the identity shift and allowed me to then have that accountability. Cause if I, if he wasn't there, if I wasn't there, he'd go, where are you, man? Um, and it got me back into the groove of moving forward and I switched into the victor mentality. So I had that external accountability as a lever to force me into the victor mindset. And I think this is the biggest thing. So you have to be a victor. You need to own where you are. You need to take responsibility for your future actions. And you need to have some form of accountability and then you will be the victor. And I think that is the second paradigm shift that we need to have. Have you got anything you want to say about that, mate? I mean, the sum, the way I summarize those two is uh, when you're a victim, life's happening to you. And when you're a victor, life's happening for you. And the, I've, um, I'm, when I used to teach a lot of this, you know, we used to teach and train people to become life coaches. When we talk about this kind of stuff, it's 
not saying that, oh, yes, you know, all these terrible things, oh, are you trying to say all of these are happening for me? It's like, well, you can look at it that way, but regardless of how you look at it, it's already happened. Regardless of what how you look at it, I've, I've chatted to multiple guys who have had injuries, who have broken legs, broken ribs. Had you know, had one guy I just spoke to had um, broke both of his hips in a motorbike accident, and he's trying to get back into it. And it's like you can look at these things as negatives or life's happening to me. I'm just a victim in it all. You can look at it that way, but guess what? It's already happened. So what if you chose to look at it in a positive light and say, well, life is happening for me. If this was happening for me, how could I take the best advantage of this? It's, um, this is a, a bit of a side tangent, but this is what I do is tangent. Um, I remember seeing a guy on YouTube who um, he does like YouTube shorts. His daughter, unfortunately, passed away in a car accident because she hit a guardrail that wasn't secured properly and ended up like sort of going off the edge of, a, um, of the road and it, it rolled a bunch of times. And you know, it was terrifying as a father to think about that. And what he had done is taken that and now he goes around the US and he just, all he does in his life, he evaluates these guardrails. He goes through and he films, he's like, this is incorrectly done and he reports them. He goes through and he does that and he's probably saving lives by doing that. But he took what was his pain and turned it into a purpose. And you can do the same thing with all the little, even if it's just little things, oh, you know, I had the kids, it, it just happened to me. It's like, no, the kids definitely happened for you. They were happening for you and you looked at it through that perspective and through that mindset, that window of, of of gain as opposed to the window of loss well then how would you be showing up differently mm, i think it's uh, insane that it's life's happening for me i think when we look at it, every challenge is given to you at the time that you're ready for that challenge you just have to rise mm. to the occasion so whether it be small challenges and you have the kids this weekend my wife's away or you have the kids and you're a single dad and it's like it's hard okay it was hard this is a challenge okay this is a challenge for me to stay on track i'm going to rise to the occasion and I think it's every life's happening for us to challenge us to become that next version, that best version of us. It's like in everything, I'm not going to go into, you know, a, a detail of my life, but I've had so, a lot of challenges. I I tried to have a professional career in rugby league. I've been in Chicago. I flatlined a bunch of times. You know, I've been engaged multiple times and my partner's cheated on me. Like I've you know lost businesses that were doing, you know, eight figures plus. Like I've had a lot of things happen, you know, to me, but in reality, they all happen for me. Okay. Mm. So if I never, you know, if I went through with the rugby career, I never would have fell in love with helping people become the best version of them. If I didn't have those failed relationships, I never would have met the love of my life and have these two amazing kids. If I didn't have a business that wasn't going through, I never would have helped thousands of dads change their life. So if we look at it, sometimes when we're in the moment, you know, we can't see, you know, the forest through the trees, but if we embrace the fact that life is happening for us, then we can go, well, this is a challenge and it's for me to step up to the plate to become better. And I think that is the biggest understanding that life is always going to be challenging, but the challenge is there for you. And the challenge is there for you to become the best version of you. You just have to lean into that resistance. Um, I think when we look at it, everything, we, and I'm not going to go too much because we talked about this in um, the Habits uh, podcast or even the first podcast, but everything's about self-confidence and self-doubt. And when we look at mindset, the more self-confidence we have, the more follow-through on doing what we said we're going to do is the key aspect. And the more self-doubt we have, you know, the less likely we are going to follow through. So what we have to understand that Every action that we actually, we say we're going to do something and we follow through, that is a vote in self-confidence. And over time, you become a confident person. Or over time, you have someone with high levels of self-doubt and low levels of confidence, and then you go into despair rather than hope. So I think for us, we have to look at, be so crucial about the words that you choose and be so crucial about what you say you were going to do, because we need to rise, the, rise to the level of our word. If we can say we're going to train every single day for an hour or we're never going to drink again, we're training every day for an hour and you don't do that, that's a vote in self-doubt because you just lied to yourself. You know, we, we, and we can't lie to ourselves. So just stay, I'm just going to train for 15 minutes a day. Or, hey, I'm just going to start eating vegetables. Or, hey, I'm just going to start staying under my calories. Um, and like start small because an, an object in motion tends to stay in motion, right? An object at rest tends to stay at rest. And if we look at it, we can't optimize something that's not in motion. Okay, mm -hmm. if something is not in motion, we can't optimize it and we can't make it outside, of, like keep pushing it outside our comfort zone. So the biggest thing I can say is for mindset factors, start small, win daily, 
then keep raising the floor, as you said last week, which allows us to build hope, allows us to build self-confidence. And a confident person is unstoppable. I think like confidence is key when we're trying to acquire any type of skill. And if we feel like we, we have a, this low level of confidence, that's when we discard it. It's like, I can't do this. I'm despair. I'm going to be fat forever. Hundred percent. The I talked about this today about the um with one of the clients around the competence confidence loop. The more confident you get, the better you get at it. The better you get at it, the more confident you are. But it also it starts with your emotional state. If you can get yourself into the right emotional state when you're looking to start a program, go to the gym, make a choice what, around your food, whatever it is. If you can focus on your state, and as Trav said, there's a couple of things that that lean into that. One of them is language, being very mm. deliberate with the words that you use and the goals that you set yourself, because you're either, they're either going to move you towards what you want or away from what you want. And if you keep setting these unrealistic goals, you learn to never trust yourself again. You learn to doubt yourself constantly because this is the reason why mantras don't really work. If you're looking in the mirror, like I am beautiful and strong and powerful, and I am an amazing person, blah, blah, blah. If you don't actually believe that you've just got these little, it's like a little ping pong match against a wall every time you say it, it's like no you're not no you're not no you're not no you're not like you've got that mental and it's it's self-reinforcing that so you've got to start and appreciate where you're at say yes you know this is where i'm at right now and this is what i'm going to become this is what i'm going to work towards this is who i am going to be and then you could develop that competence in being that person over time by as travis said making those choices choosing the um the vote for self-confidence as opposed to the vote for self-doubt there's there's, there's so much that we can talk about in terms of mindset and mentality, but the big one for me is emotion. So the language that you use to describe either yourself or the situation, right? That's is going to determine whether you're a victim or a victor. If you're using victim-based language or victor-based language, and if you're using empowering language, that's really accurate and, you know, focused on the now as opposed to, oh, that's all fucked. It's like, well, no, no, hold on. Let's get a little bit more specific. So using language, using your physiology so actually using your body if you're making decisions from a place where you're hunched over and your head's down and you feel depressed you're like oh no i probably won't go to the gym now but if you stand up and you you know you have your chest proud and you like you've got a bit more energy in your body you move up you do 10 jumping jacks right don't tell me that you don't stand up right now if you don't drive if you're driving don't do it but um if you jump stand up right now and do like you know 10 jumping jacks right or you do 10 push-ups and then you get back up and you don't feel at least like five percent better and you have a slightly better emotional state, then you're fucking lying to me, right? Because mm. moving your body, getting your physiology going, that's what's going to drive your emotional state. It's the easiest thing we can control. And then finally, we look at focus. So where focus goes, energy flows and results show. So if you can determine where your focus is, and my big one is what you can do versus what you can't do. That's the, the big one for me. You either focus on what you can do and what you are able to do, right? This is a great question that, that I love. What can I do with what I've got in this moment now? What that does is that focuses the attention on, well, what are the things I can do as opposed to what I can't do? What are the things that I can do? What are the things I have and the resources I've got available? Oh, I don't have a gym membership. I don't have this. I don't have a barbell. I don't have whatever. It's like, cool. Well, you've got a physical body, right? Most places have those little uh, park gyms you can go to. You've got, you know, somewhere with monkey bars, you can do something, right? We've got home workouts, gyms, all that kind of stuff. Calisthenics is a huge thing. Home workouts, squats, all of that kind of stuff. You're focusing on what you have as opposed to what you don't have. And you're focusing on the moment as opposed to focusing on the past, focusing on the future. So if you can keep your focus in those three places, what can I do with what I've got in this moment now? You're going to make consecutively better and better and better choices and you're going to be in a better emotional state because you're not like, oh, but, you know, Sharon left me 10 years ago. All right, great. You know, fucking what are you going to do about it? Nothing. It's 10 years ago. She's gone. Yeah. She's she's long gone, right? Yeah. You have no idea where she is. Stop stalking her on Facebook. You don't need to know where she is. Um, so then you say, oh, well, what can I do with what I've got? Not pine about the past, not have anxiety about the future, but say, well, what can I do in this moment? Because there's only so much that you can do. Like Travis saying, we have limited resources available to us. We all have different constraints. We all have different challenges that are going on. But instead of throwing it all out, say, well, no, what can I do with what I've got? 
I think so, mate. And, you know, for me, when we're looking at the act of being resourceful, you know, I was coaching about a thousand members online during the midst of COVID in Melbourne lockdowns. And, you know, we created workouts with a bag and, you know, some sandbags in them or like filled it up with some sandbags or got $10 lime sand and put it in the bag. Um, so we even pack, pack workouts, lunges, squats, push-ups, you know, rows. And I was like, that's the art of being resourceful, right? Mm. I, I think... It's never, I think it's, we always find our limiting beliefs based on what we believe our resources are. When, if we can create resourcefulness, you know, we can actually achieve the results. You know, I can't afford healthy food. You do, you can, right? You can eat healthy for like three to $4 per meal. Like it, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate and crazy. It might not taste as amazing. You know, it probably could taste quite amazing with some great spices, but you know, with this, you just have to be more resourceful. And I think that is the biggest thing that we look at. Um, all or nothing mindset. I think this is a big thing that happens and why um, people not only plateau, they also go backwards because that gives them the ability to give up. And we see these people going so well for a period of time, they're losing weight, um, and then they get stuck in this cycle of a, sometimes it's like a binge restrict cycle, which allows them just to plateau with their weight. And then if they keep up that cycle for long enough, they just give up altogether or they're in an all or nine mindset, nothing, all or my, nothing mindset from the get go. I think we all know the same story, right? Like, you know, we go so well Monday to Thursday and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're following our, our nutrition, we're training, you know, we're in that sort of calorie deficit to lose weight. You have to be in a calorie deficit. Then all of a sudden, you know, we, we start to lose that weight and Thursday rolls around and you stuff up and you had, you know, a couple of um, extra beers or you had the muffin at the office or whatever it is. And we mentally get down on ourselves. You know, we, we, Tell ourselves, again, the power of language, you can't stick to a diet. You can never follow through. And we say, what's wrong with you? Dude, nothing's wrong with you. It's a fucking muffin. Like, like so, so when we look at it, we get where a negative dialogue goes so high and we go into a downward spiral, our frequency or our state that Jay said before. And then when we're in that bad state, we start to make, again, bad choices. So we're like, oh, you've screwed up now you may as well keep eating. You've already screwed up. And then we go home, we crack open more beers, we have a bottle of wine, we eat, order pizza because you know we've already stuffed up, so we may as well. And then you feel so crap the next day, you press snooze, okay, because you had bad sleep. And then you felt crap and you felt crap because you missed the gym and you get down yourself again. And then it's the next three days of excess calorie consumption and not much movement. Okay. And then Monday roll and we tell ourselves, oh, it's okay. I'll start again on Monday. We literally justify. We, we get again, victim. I'll start again on Monday. And this is the all or nothing mindset and people get in this cycle. And then they also like, why aren't I getting results? I was so good Monday to Thursday. And it's like, yeah, well, Friday to Sunday, you're a complete asshole to yourself. That's why and I think when we look at this, like, you know, it's not about being, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. It's at least, but it's being 90% a hundred percent of the time. That's what gets you the results. So the muffin um, on Thursday wasn't going to derail you. And even if you had a muffin on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, it's not going to derail you. But the pizza, the ice cream, the chocolate, the seven extra beers on Friday night, the whiskey, everything else, that derails you. Okay. That, that mm. pushed you into a calorie surplus, made you feel like crap and you were trying to justify it to yourself. So we need to get out of an all or nothing mindset. And we talked about this story. It's like, Literally, it's the same. If you're going towards a destination and having the muffin, you're driving in your car, having the muffin is like a puncture in a tire. You punctured one tire. Okay, just you just replace the tire. You get back on track. Going into the next three days of this consuming you know, alcohol and food is literally like getting out and puncturing the other three tires. Because, hey, I stuffed up one tire. I may as well stuff up all four of them now. It's like, just that is an all or nothing mindset. Yeah, literally drive it off. The, ah, screw it. I'll start again on Monday. Uh, it's like, no, that is the worst behavior. And we can't, and people get into a routine of an all or nothing mindset. So if you are feeling this, it's like, what we need to do is we need to go, we never shame. Okay. So it's, it's, it's understand. So we go into the spiral of shame. So we never shame. We understand it's a game. So it's like, that's what I, the mentality is like. We never shame. We must understand it's a game. Say that to yourself. We never shame. We understand it's a game. And then all of a sudden we move into a win or learn mentality. 
if I'm trying to score points, and we talked about this the other day, and a point is for nutrition, and a point is for training, and a point is for my steps, right? And I have the ability to score three points a day, and I just stuffed up my nutrition. Hey, I can still score two points. Hey, two points is better, isn't, isn't as good as three, but I still scored two points. And then if I go into a it's, a, it's a game and I never shame, I never miss two days in a row going back into the Habits podcast last week, and it's going into a win or learn mentality. Okay, so going win or learn, right? So I didn't win my nutrition today. What can I learn from this so I can make sure that I win tomorrow? So all or nothing mindset, we scrap it. We make sure it's a game, not a shame. And we go into a win or learn mentality and we gamify it scoring points. We have the ability to score 21 points a week, but sometimes we might score 18. Sometimes we might score 10. We might even start knowing we can score three points a day, but for the next seven days, my goal is to score seven points. I'm going to win something every day. And again, an object in motion tends to stay in motion and we can optimize to start you getting more points on the board the week after. And we start to get a winning streak and then we start to feel like we're getting progress and momentum. Yeah. And when you start to get off track, you'll notice as you do this more and more and more that for you to, you are going to want to get back on track. As Trav's saying, an object in motion stays in motion. You have one big night and then you're like, oh, fuck yeah, you know what? I really need to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm really like, as opposed to it being like, oh, screw it. I'm just not going to do anything now. I'm going to have a whole weekend off. You're like, oh, yeah, no, nah, that was a big night. Yeah, I, I really need to make sure I get a walk. Like, I might not be able to go to the gym, but I'll go for a walk tomorrow until my head gets better, right? Um, I'm really going to make sure I get my salads in, make sure I get my protein in, make sure I keep it nice and clean because that's going to be who you are. It's like your natural steer back on track is going to start to become going to the gym. It's going to start to become going for walks, eating the right food, drinking plenty of water, doing all the stuff that we know is important for us to do as opposed to writing it off. It's like, no, now it's my reason to get back into the rhythm of it because I had that big night and I know what that big night means. Oh, it's just one night. It doesn't matter. But you know, now I'm really motivated to get back into it. Like I, I take two or three days off the gym. I'm like, I'm antsy. I'm itching to get back into it. I'm not a good person if I haven't been to the gym for three days. Like it's, it's uh, my wife insists by the end of the day that I go. So that's the trick. Just start being an asshole to your wife until, um, <laughs> until she's like, you know what? You need to so go to the, gym. Go the gym. All right. All right, honey. All right. I'll go get some protein so. bars on my way home. But, but that I, all, but, I was going to say that all or nothing mentality tends to come back to a fear of failure. It's like, if mm. I don't, if I can't do everything all at once, then I might fail. If I fail, then I'm going to judge myself and feel bad about it. So make sure that when you're doing this, failure isn't missing a day. Failure isn't imperfectly executing the perfect plan, right? Failure is giving up. Failure is chucking the car off the cliff because the tire got punctured. Mate, all it is is like a, a mistake, right? So we expand mm. the gap. We break that word up into a mistake. It was just a mistake. You took a shot and you missed today. It doesn't mean we don't miss tomorrow. We never miss two days in a row. We get back on track. And I think if we can look at that and having that never miss two days in a row mentality, it was just a mistake on today. We learn from it and we get back on track. And I think in saying that, man, like it, it is interesting that if you – are a better person when you train, you know, I know we need supportive partners, you know, sometimes it's like, but Liv knows for me that I'm better as a human being when I train. So if I haven't got it in because something's happened with my schedule and like, she's got, you know, she does a million things. Um, she's like, no, you go train. Like, cause she knows I'm better for me. I'm better for her. I'm better for the kids. And it doesn't mean like I rely on training to be the best version of me. It's not like a crutch. But she knows it's so important in my life that she uh, supports me in making sure that I get that done. I think that's a big thing. Um, there's a quote that I love um, that was from Viktor Frankl. And he's like, everything can be taken away from a man but one thing. And that's the last of the human freedoms, which is to choose one own way in any, set of, uh, any given set of circumstances, which essentially is to choose, one, choose one's attitude in any given circumstances to choose one's own way. So what that means is, you know, we're going back to that victor or victim mindset. It's like anything can happen to you. You have the power of choice. And I think that's the biggest thing with mindset. It's the power of choice. You are choosing to eat the extra food or choosing not to. Every single thing is a choice. You are choosing to be overweight or you're choosing not to. Okay. I think it's like, if we just have that ability to expand the gap between the negative stimulus and the response, so we take a breath, we expand the gap, we choose the best attitude that will allow us to choose better actions. So we just need to go, 
what's things that derail my state, my energy, okay? I identify them, aware, okay, when they happen. We talked about this in the habits last week. Expand the gap, stimulus and response. Choose a better emotion, okay? People aren't doing things to you. They're doing things for you. And then we go, okay, what's the best What's the best uh, action I can do right now that will give me a better emotion that will give me a better action? I think that's so crucial. And I think when we're looking at, you know, we were talking about the power of thoughts before. I think there was a couple of studies around how many thoughts people have in a day. You know, some people say like 15,000. Some people have, you know, say there's 60,000 thoughts. But if we go with the 60,000 thoughts a day, the average person has, and 45,000 thoughts are the same as the day before. That's essentially what happens. And the average person has 80% of those thoughts as negative. Like, it's not... Um, I can understand how someone can get into a bit of a defeatist mindset if this is them. If they're allowing the victim to overtake their life and they're having you know 45,000 thoughts day after day, which are negative because we're feeding the victim voice on our shoulder. You can't lose weight. You can't stick to a diet. You know, have the extra burger. Eat the, have the beer. It's like if we, we need the, the voice we listen to most is the one that wins, right? They become louder. And the victor becomes quieter and quieter until they completely give up. And that's when we have despair. So when we look at this, like you need to slowly win. And the more you listen to the guy, okay, you said you're going to do three kilometers uh, walk today. Okay, you did it. And I think what we need to do is we need to then, there's a great thing I saw. It's like when you say you're going to do something and then you actually follow through, you say to yourself, just like me. It's like, I just, you know, okay, I'm going to do a three kilometer run today. And it's like, you do the three kilometer day. It's like three kilometer day run today, just like me. You're reaffirming the fact in your subconscious that it's just like me is someone who follows through what they said they're going to do and do the three kilometers. And then dopamine goes into your body. It's like, just like me, someone who does that, I follow classic through what Jason, I do. Classic track. <laughs> so, exactly. And if we, if we, but if we do that, we're, affirming to our subconscious mind that's just like me, someone who follows through with their word and, you know, get that sort of dopamine rush. You know, we tick the box, which allows us to go through the task checklist that we talked about last week. And then we're slowly listening to the voice a bit more, just like me, someone who eats vegetables, just like me, someone who hits their calories, just like me, someone who goes to the gym. And then the voice that is the best version of you gets louder and gets louder and gets louder. And that, little bitch version of you who tells you to lay on the couch because you're tired or have the extra beers because you need them because it was a hard week, they tend to just piss off. They stop talking, right? It doesn't mean they're not there. You just, you can't hear them as much anymore. They're literally like white noise, right? You can't even hear what they're saying because you were so in tune to listening to the best version of you who's like, you got this, just like me. This is what we do. And I think that is just a crucial thing for us to have. Do you have any thoughts about people having limiting beliefs um, with their ability to stay forward and focus with their habits and mindset? When we think about limiting beliefs, we know that they come from essentially from when we're like between zero and seven is when we tend to build these limiting beliefs that we tend to have and what they are is they're reinforced with evidence over time and the problem is that most people look for evidence to reinforce what they already believe as opposed to entertaining some you know some opposing views which is why you know we like uh, you know social media websites that are echo chambers we like to see the opinions that we agree with and you know whenever we see you know that's that fixed mindset whenever we see something different or confrontational or um that 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 offers a different viewpoint we take it as a criticism and a front of like oh shit, i don't want to deal with that no nah, that person's wrong you just shut them down same thing with our limiting beliefs we all have that mindset that the things that we believe to be true are true. Might be the the way that we were raised, you know, oh, this is the best way. You've got to raise your kids in this particular way with this particular style because that's what happened for me and I loved my childhood. Or you might have been bullied when you were younger and, you know, you might be like, oh, well, I'll never amount to anything. And you might have that limiting belief that's going on in your head. So it's questioning those things that you take to be true, that you assume to be true, which are these limiting beliefs. It might be that you can never create the body transformation because you've tried and failed a bunch of times, or you've tried and you've gotten the result and then you've gone backwards, right? That's what a lot of people do with fitness. They have a limiting belief around the fact that they're not able to achieve the transformation in the first place. I knew a guy who never thought he could never get abs because he was Indian. He'd never seen an Indian guy with abs before. 
right? So he took a picture of an Indian guy, he downloaded one that like a guy with his skin tone, um, downloaded it from Google, put his face on top of it and put it on his wall so that he could be like, yep, no, I can see it now. I can picture it. Now I've got rid of that limiting belief that I could never have that or, or you know, I, someone you know, that has my color skin would never have abs because I never see it in any media. So you've got to take some space as we've talked about many times, take some space and take stock and be willing to challenge those thoughts that come up because all a belief is, is a thought that's been given evidence and that you've looked for evidence mm. for. And you're either looking for evidence to support it or you're looking for evidence to take it away. And it might take time. You might chop out one leg and then it's a table that's still, that's still got, still got, still got three. It's a bit rickety, but it's still there. You need to keep kicking those legs out from that table. And you can only do that by looking for evidence to the contrary of the beliefs that you've held. But your brain doesn't want you to do that. Your brain wants you to reaffirm things are the same. This is the way that life is. Like there's a, a psychological phenomenon known as a scotoma, which is a mental blind spot. If you tell yourself, and you probably tell your wife and you tell yourself, I don't know where the Vegemite is, right? I don't know where, where it is in the cupboard. You've already, you've already decided. Your brain has already told you, like she's like, oh, can you grab me the Vegemite? You've already mentally gone, oh, oh man, that cupboard's a mess. I don't fucking know where the Vegemite is. I have no clue. You've already mentally told yourself. When you go to look for it, this is why it gets called a man look. You go to look for it. Your brain will block it out in order to make you not wrong. Mm. Because you've mentally told yourself, I don't know where the Vegemite is. So you've already gone in defeatist like, oh, I don't know why she's asking me. Yep, it's not here. It's not here. And then she'll reach out and it looks like she pulls it from thin air, but it's right in front of your face because you already convinced yourself or like knowing that your key, oh, my keys aren't in that spot. So you'll look for them, but yeah, yeah no, they're not in that spot. You've already mentally told yourself they're not there. You've got to start pausing and looking for evidence to support the opposite. So if you're telling yourself, I can't make this transformation, it's like, but you know what? Actually, I did lose 14 kilos. I'll always bring this back. I actually did lose 14 kilos before. Yeah, I gained it back, but I've done it before. So, you know, what, what differently do I need to do in order to keep it? So hang on, maybe I can make this work. Maybe I can actually do this because I have done it before. So you need to consistently look for evidence to support. And if you don't have that capacity, you need an outside perspective. You need someone outside of yourself who can bring attention to it and say, hey, hang on. You're doing this. What about this time? What about this time? What about this time? Because mentally we'll block it. Oh yeah, I forgot about all those times I did those things really well and I achieved the goal because you're stuck in the limiting belief and all the evidence you've, the little pile of evidence, the gold coins you've accumulated. Oh yes, this is my limiting belief, my precious, right? We need to start to smash that down, but we need evidence to the contrary to make that work. So in order to dismantle that belief, we need to, number one, realize that we're probably a, a young kid when we first formed it and we weren't very rational, right? We all have kids. We understand they're not very rational at times. But beyond that, we need to start looking for evidence to affirm the opposite and say, no, I can do this. Here's the evidence why. Here's the logic. Here's the reason behind it. And if you can't do it, you need someone else to do it for you and to bring it to your attention. And what about, uh, mate, that was a fantastic explanation. What about the limiting beliefs that we're, imposing on our children. I think that's the big thing we need to think about. If we are mm. overweight and we're making excuses, justifications, I can't have a family and have a job that's full-time and focus on my, my weight. Like it doesn't matter. And then they think, okay, well, it doesn't matter if you need to be healthy. Um, or it's like, I can't stick to a diet. It's too hard. Then we're folk telling them essentially, cause they, they do listen to you. They're around the house all the time. Um, you know, they'll repeat everything you say all the time, you know? So if we look at it and we're saying, you know, I can't stick to a diet, they'll think, okay, you can't stick to diets. And it's like, I can't lose weight. Okay, people can't lose weight. My, our family is just genetically not the best. Okay, our family is genetically not the best. All of a sudden you're imprinting these limiting beliefs on your children who they have to try and break. Mm. So rather than them having to try and break these limiting beliefs themselves, how about you? break the limiting beliefs so you don't impose them on your children so they have to then try and break the cycle before it gets to their kids. And I think that is one of the biggest key reasons with the limiting beliefs. We don't want to put our shit on our kids because we constantly do and we need to stop it because then they have to eventually deal with it or they don't and they become overweight and they have health problems and they don't live the life that they should live because you enforce your limiting beliefs on them. 
Mm. If you think about that zero to seven, a child is like a sponge. You swear around them and you figure out how quickly they retain (laughs) information, right? And they never forget it and they bring it up at dinner parties. But exactly as Chad was saying, if you don't, if you aren't willing to put in that work now and to make those changes and, you know, you scroll through, you know, reels and TikTok and all that kind of stuff, you'll find enough people who, you know, get so, oh, I can't say this word around my kid. And we, you know, we don't say you can't have this. We say, you know, sometimes this is a sometimes food. Mm. And then we don't want to develop all these things. It's like, these things will be figured out over time. There's, you don't want to get too anal into the details about it, but you do want to have a generally healthy relationship with food. Daddy's stressed. Now he's going to have a drink. You need a drink when you're stressed. Uh, Mum's stressed. She's going to go eat a bag of chips. Uh, you, when you're stressed, it's okay for you to eat food. Now, I'm never going to listen to a parent who's telling me eat your vegetables, but they're not eating them themselves. Go outside and play. You need to go outside and play. This is where, where there's um, those teenage years they start to develop a little bit more, um, more of an FU attitude because it's like, well, why am I going to listen to you when you're not doing what you're telling me to do, mm. right? Oh, I'll do it because I'm your parent and I say so. It's like, don't tell me to go run around and play outside and do all this sport. You're sitting on the couch. Why would I listen to you? That's where that friction starts to come into it. So you want to live the best example that you can, but know that also you're human. Yes right? You're not going to do everything perfectly. You're not going to be the perfect everything in life. And the more your kids can see that, yes, look, I never claim to be perfect. I never claim to know everything. They'll think that early on, but you know what? I'm another, just another human being doing the best job that I can. And yeah, sometimes we make mistakes and that's okay. And that's the kind of stuff you want to pass on to your kids. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you don't let them stop you, as long as you don't let them slow you down and you use it as a learning opportunity. If that's the mentality you want your kids to have and I've seen this time and time again. People won't do it for themselves. They'll do it for their kids. So I don't care if you're, I don't have enough time to go to the gym for myself. You've got enough time to go to the gym and be the best version of yourself for your kid because it becomes about them and it stops being about you. And that's the biggest motivator that anyone can ever have is I'm doing it for me, for them. Mate, 100%. I think um, one of the last things I want to talk about is a bit more of like emotional stamina um, and our ability to... Uh, increase our emotional stamina as a human being. And if we have the ability to take punches and become anti-fragile, it's an anti-fragile mindset, right? So they think fragile, I get a knock, there's an external stimulus coming to me. And if if something is fragile, we get hit, we break, right? And when we look at, we break as far as external uh, stimulus, we break, meaning we fall off our diet and we, you know, essentially just, you know, don't, um, as don't follow through and we go into that all or nothing mindset. When we look at there's, there's fragile, there's robust or resilient. So it's like, okay, I get a nick, I get a knock and I can withstand the knock. Right. And I just, every single week, the same knock happens to us. Yeah. You can be resilient for so long or robust for so long. Then there's anti-fragile, anti-fragile, not only when they get the knock, they, you know, can be robust and resilient, but they become stronger. And we have to adopt an anti-fragile mindset where it's like we become stronger because we go, okay, I got this knock. This, this external stimulus came at me because of this situation. I'm going to learn from this situation so it doesn't happen again. And I don't have to keep taking the knocks every single week. I think that is probably one of the biggest things that we look at. It's like become anti-fragile. Become the most anti-fragile person you can. And that is the person who not only, you know, gets results, but they keep results for the rest of their life. I take knocks, I win, I learn, I become stronger. Every obstacle makes me stronger. I think if you can have that, you'll win. And that allows us to increase our ability to have a higher amount of emotional stamina. We don't go up and down and up and down. You know, we're frustrated, we're happy. It's like, no, like we're, we're an even keel right? We're stoic. <laughs> we, we just hold our emotion and we don't allow things to affect us. We, when something starts to affect us, we take a moment, deep breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, out for four seconds, hold for four seconds. That's what's box breathing. You do box breathing for a minute and you move forward. Okay. And that is it. And we just stay with the emotion that we choose, not the something that is our emotion is not impacted by an external stimulus. And when we can control our emotions and have this emotional stamina that is anti-fragile, okay, instead of fragile or resilient, we get knocked and we you know, decrease our emotions to a lesser version of us, we become even happier uh, or we become even stronger with our emotional stamina, then we can move forward. And I think you know, a good way that we look at increasing our emotional stamina is through a bower of gratitude. 
Um, I love gratitude. Uh, I love to deploy it in the mornings and night times. I say most people should do it. You know, and in the mornings, it could be writing down three things that you're grateful for, or you could also send out three gratitude texts or emails to people in your life and say, hey, I'm grateful that you're in my life because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, some people who I've told to do this, they started to do it. And all of a sudden, they get texts back through the day. And it's like, dude, like, I haven't talked to you in ages. Like, you're such a, like, we start getting positive messages back. And that makes us feel even better. So not only do we feel good by giving gratitude, then we start getting gratitude back. We feel better from giving it, but still sometimes it's good to get it back as well. Um, but we can either write down the three things you're grateful for in the morning or send out three gratitude texts every single morning of, for the rest of your life. That's just who you do are. And that's what you do. That is a habit you deploy. And then at nighttime, you know, our bookends, AM and PM, you know, at nighttime, I sit down and talk to Liv. It's like, what's three things that were grateful, that you're grateful for that happened today, right? So we're booking in there, book ending our days with gratitude. She tells me the three grateful things she had. I tell her my three things. And what we're doing is we're booking in, book ending our days with gratitude. So I am seeing more grateful things or things that I'm grateful for throughout the day because I know I'm going to share them with Liv. And then as you said before, we start to get confirmation bias. If we wake up in the morning and we're like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> I don't want to get out of bed. I hate my job. I don't want to go to the gym. Snooze, snooze, snooze 53 times. Oh, I get to the gym. You start complaining. You know, you get to work. You start, like, you get home. How's your day? Oh, it was a long day today. And you start complaining about your day. Like, if we're just bookending your days with utter shit complaints, of course, you're seeing a C confirmation bias of how you can't stick to your diet and do training because the mental space that is, is consuming you is horrendous. But if we start the day, mm. it's like, make today great. It's like, I'm smiling, right? I literally start every day. I'm smiling because I'm awake, mate. Like I get to spend another day as me on this planet and I'm alive, right? Because I wasn't promised to wake up again. So like I'm straight away, I'm happy because I'm up, I'm awake, I'm alive, I'm me. And then from there, like I give myself a high five in the mirror, Mel Robbins style, because when you smile and literally do like anyone out there right now, try and frown and give a high five. You literally can't do it. Like you are pre-programmed to smile and high five. That is who we are as human beings. So if you high five yourself in the mirror, you're smiling. All of a sudden you've got a smile on your face. You gave yourself a high five and you're like, dude, you're crazy. And it's like, yeah, but I'm crazy and I feel great. So maybe a little crazy is good. So give yourself a high five in the mirror and then you just go and attack your day. So all of a sudden you're happy, you smile, you high five yourself, you start moving forward, you send out three gratitude texts, you start going through your day, you're grateful at the night. And then with this, we have our reticular activating system kicking in for us and we start to get confirmation bias of all the great things that are happening in the world, rather than seeing all the shit and the confirmation bias around that and how, you know, people are crap and all the rest of it and your boss is an asshole and people drive too slow or they drive too fast. Literally, people will complain it's too hot or it's too cold. They'll complain about anything and everything, okay? That's okay. That's not you, right? You can look for the good in everything. It's raining today. Well, we do need rain for the crops. It's sunny today. Well, that's really good. I love the sun. It's like you can find the silver lining in every single thing. And if we start to bookend our days, it's just like if you've ever bought a new car, okay, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere because it has a heightened awareness of the car you're driving. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, how come there's so many cars just like one out on the road? Or I talk to the girls about, you know, they go to the races, right? And they buy this dress and they'll be at the races, about 2,000 people at the horse races. And all of a sudden they can pinpoint through 2,000 people, the one female who's wearing the exact same dress as them. They literally can see it. And it's like, because they have a heightened awareness of the dress they're wearing. Okay. So they can see it. And even though no one else can. So if we look at this, if we are putting the heightened awareness on gratitude, we start to see it more because our brain starts to look for it. And if we start to see more grateful things, we start to act more grateful. We stay at a higher frequency for a longer period of time. We have a higher amount of emotional stamina. Our state is up there. And if we have a high frequency state, we have high frequency stories. If we have high frequency stories, which is I can do this just like me, smash out my thing, like I'm unstoppable because I am the person who does what I said I'm going to do. And even when I don't want to feel like it, I still follow through just like me. 
then that's the person who deploys the strategy correctly. And that's the person who tells the sell the self the story when they fall on their face. It's like, hey, that was pretty cool. Learned a lesson, not gonna do that again. And they keep moving forward, deploying the strategy. And I think that is the biggest thing that I'd like to say to wrap up this podcast is start deploying gratitude because it does affect so much of your life. You can't feel fear and gratitude at the same time. You can't feel any negative emotion and gratitude at the same time. You're going to go and high five yourself in the mirror and see if you smile after this podcast, aren't you? I'm already smiling. I'm mentally doing it. It's got me there. It's so crazy, dude. It's so crazy. Um, But it's it's funny as a coach for like the last 20 years also teaching people how to high five because I've like, we high five at the end of every training session with the gyms and all the rest of it. And it's like, People look at the hand when they high five. If, if, to never miss a high five, you never look at the hand. You look at the elbow and the hand follows through. Just to anyone out there who wants to do a perfect high five, you always look at the elbow when you're high fiving someone, that other person's elbow, and you always connect their hand on point. So I think, you know, as a side note, if you want a perfect yeah. high five, watch the elbow, not the hand. Um, other than that, guys, yeah. that is today's <laughs> some deep stuff right there. Hey, everyone wants to know how to do a good high five. That is today's podcast on Mindset, guys. Go to fitdashdad.club if you want to change your life with us. You want to drop 10 to 20 kilos in the next 16 weeks. That's what we do. We don't, we, we help you become the best version of you. And that, and that's it at the end of the day. And the best version of you is healthy. Yes, best version of you has an abundance of energy. The best version of you feels unstoppable. The best version of you, when you fall on your face, you get back up, you learn something, you keep moving forward. Like, and that's what we help you do. We give you the tools, the accountability, the education, and the common humanity of guys who are dads just like you who are crushing at it at life. And that's what the Fit Dad Club is. So go to fit-dad.club, get in there, schedule an appointment. Let's have a chat of what's holding you back and help unlock those obstacles so you can feel bulletproof and be the best version of yourself. But that's it for me today, mate. Thank you again for the podcast, Jace. No worries, man. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review as well. Let us know. It helps us reach more dads, which is what we're really trying to do. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace, guys. Peace out.